Welcome to the Kingdom Truth Podcast with Bible teacher Yolanda Tyler. Bible teacher Yolanda Tyler teaches the good news of Jesus Christ and biblical Christian principles that empower all people with real-life timeless applications for daily kingdom living. Now here's your host, Bible teacher Yolanda Tyler, sharing kingdom truths for kingdom living. The name of the Lord, everybody. We are so excited that you all can join us on today. We have a very special guest, a beautiful woman of God joining us. Her name is Vonda Logan. I met Vonda about a year or so at her a prayer meeting at her church, and I loved her spirit from the very first day that we met. She is so real and loving. Vonda has a Holy Ghost boldness and love for the Lord that is so beautiful. She's on fire for God, and she has a powerful prayer anointing on her life. Vonda is active in her local church and serves as one of the lead singers on the praise and worship team. She's also the servant leader over the greeters ministry and volunteers on the culinary committee. Vonda also helps to attend to the needs of their first lady. She has a servant's heart and is willing to serve in any area where she is needed. Vonda was born and raised in Lakewood, New Jersey. She has five siblings and she is the third oldest child. Her mother had her first child at the age of 16. Vonda's maternal grandmother had 21 children. At an early age, Vonda spent a lot of time at her grandmother's home where several of her aunts and uncles lived. She remembers being left alone and sexually molested by her uncle. She never told anyone about it. Vonda grew up in the projects and was raised in the streets. There was no discipline, no authoritarian figure, a father in her home. Vonda was taught to survive in the streets and was told not to depend on anyone. As a teenager, she began drinking alcohol, stealing, partying, and going out to nightclubs. And one night, Vonda and her friends all got drunk in the basement of a friend's home. And it was on that night her son was conceived. Vonda was 16 years old. She was afraid to tell her mom, so she ran away from home. But once her mom found out about the pregnancy, she came to get Vonda and promised to help her raise the baby. She also promised to send Vonda to cosmetology school. Vonda's home environment was very bad. Both brothers as teenagers were drug dealers. Although her mom knew about it, nevertheless, she allowed it. Instead of helping Vonda, her mom took a job as an 18-wheeler driver. She left her to take care of her newborn baby and her younger siblings. Vonda was still drinking alcohol at the time, and then she started smoking marijuana. Her son's father, for a couple of years, denied that the child belonged to him. So his family pursued paternity tests, took Vonda to court, and obtained custody of her son. Vonda then entered the drug scene as her brothers and started selling crack cocaine. Her curiosity got the best of her, and she began to wonder what kind of effect this drug has on other people that would make them sell all their possessions just to get a high. So then she tried crack and became addicted. At the age of 19, Vonda and her mom packed up, left New Jersey, and moved to North Carolina. She was hoping that a change of environment would be good for her. 
It was not long before Vonda realized that her addictions followed her. Her mom's friend brother was a drug addict and Vonda got back on crack cocaine. After about three years, her mom decided to move to Texas after meeting a man on the road. Vonda moved to Texas with her mom. Her addictive behaviors led her to facing jail and prison time. Vonda is here to share her testimony with us. Vonda, thank you so much for joining us. We're so glad to have you on the show. Now, please go ahead and share your testimony with us. Thank you for having me. Growing up in Jersey with my grandmother having 21 kids was I don't know if you could say if it was a struggle back during the 60s and 70s. And when things happen to you, you better not go tell nobody. And so sitting back thinking about at my grandmother's house being molested, you know, and then I thought about it. Why? You know what I mean? All the women that they had, why us? Because they had plenty of women. So they didn't, you know, but God. And that, you know, eventually that was a part of me with the drugs, with the alcohol, running the streets, stealing. And I was looking for some attention and it was only negative attention. It wasn't nothing positive out of it. The night I conceived my son at 16, it was hard being pregnant at 16 and people looking at you, oh, you this and you that and you, and you knowing well on the inside, that's none of you. You know, you didn't do nothing wrong. You the one got taken advantage of. But I wouldn't trade my son for nothing in the world. And all the trauma going through with my uncles and my family and being cursed out and belittled by the family, you know, selling the drugs after losing my son at 16, living in the projects, running the streets, no authority, mom on the road, you know, my oldest brother had passed away. So we was all mourning and grieving and nobody had no godly idea what they were doing. Not even our parents. My God. In the cold part about it, my biological father, my bio. When you walk into the apartment, you got a door on the right and you got a door on the left and you got steps in front of you. He lived in the door on the left and we lived in the door on the right. And we didn't have a relationship unless he wanted to abuse us. He wanted to hit us or curse us out or down us. At the time, at 16, having my baby, my mom coming to get me from my aunt house, telling me, you coming home and I'm going to raise your baby so you can go to cosmetology school, which none of that happened. I think all of that, the weight, the pressure just got the best of me. And so losing my son, I think that was the final draw. Losing him to a man that never claimed him for one. It always denied him, saying that he was somebody else's child. He brought the guys to court with him to do the DNA test. You know, it was a lot, you know, for a 16-year-old to carry while raising her brothers and sisters and trying to make sure that we all woke up the next morning, that we all made it home alive. And, you know, I have my oldest sister. She was there, too, but she wasn't there because her thing is, they ain't my kids. I ain't raising them. <laughs> oh, wow. I lost custody of Chris around 17. So I was free. Free to run the street, free to do drugs, free to get high, free to go to the club. But who knows? I was never really free. My God. Because I try to figure out, why these people? I got all this stuff for my son. 
and they giving me their kids Christmas gifts and they giving me their kids, you know. So one day, you know, we always blame it on a man. Oh, my ex-boyfriend started me doing drugs and my ex-girlfriend started me. No, curiosity did. Wow. Curiosity is what got Vonda to use drugs. It just so happened that my ex-boyfriend was doing it, which I didn't know, but it all turned out to be together. And so I took that hit one day. That was it. Wow. Fonda, let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. So you took that first hit and how long it took you before you just became addicted? Because they said with that crack cocaine, it's like just a few weeks. Is that correct? No, it's a right. It's a right away thing. It wasn't no few weeks. It was right away when you took that first hit and you felt that after being going through so much all your life, you're looking for a peace. You're looking for a calm. You're looking for something that can make you feel numb, not wanting to feel anything. And that was it. And so it was a right away thing for me. I took a hit that one day and I went for three years straight. The addiction started immediately. Mm-hmm. Sneaking in other people's houses. Don't tell nobody I'm over here. And so it was an instant thing. I'm in a tub. I'm taking a bath, but I wasn't taking a bath. I was really in there getting high. People didn't know. So it's an instant thing. You can hide it good at the beginning. But then as time went on, then you wanted more and more, and then start talking about how it led from one thing to the other. You know how it got just so yeah. bad. Yeah, it did. It got me bad to where I was robbing the drug dealers. I was stealing from the drug dealers. They wouldn't touch us. They wouldn't bother us because of my family. And I think that was another thing that helped me be, helped me stay on as long as I did. Because maybe at the beginning, if I would have been stopped, I probably wouldn't have. But who who knows? You know, who knows? Right. So what I'm hearing you saying too, Vonda, it's like you were just all around that environment of drugs and alcohol. And it sounds like it was acceptable. It was because we used to go to the liquor store and get the alcohol. We used to go get the cigarettes. You know, my mom didn't do drugs. My dad didn't do drugs. They did drink, though. We were raised up in an abusive household. And all they did was fight, get drunk, and fight. You know, it was a lot for children to take. And so by moving in the project, it was worse, I believe, because it was so accessible to anything we needed. And by my family being in this one little city, half of the city was my family. It was like everybody... There she go. You want to hit this? You want to drink? You want, you know, it was always there accessible for us. You want us to go get it? You want this or whatever. Did that kind of make you desensitize? Did it desensitize you a little bit since you were all around that, not realizing the risk involved? Didn't care. You don't care. Wow. You don't care about no risks. All you care about is getting the next drink, the next high. And hoping you wake up the next morning. And then when you lay in there, and I know plenty of nights I laid there and cried. Wow, I'm thinking about stuff I forgot about a long time ago. I used to lay there and cry. Now this was at home? This was at home. You always want somebody to love you or somebody to be there to chastise you or to say this is not right. And with all the aunts and uncles I had, it was only one aunt, God rest her soul, and this is the oldest of twin, Aunt Ida May. When I was about 10, she stopped drinking and she's turned herself over to the Lord. Man, that's who was. She prayed for me heavily. She was the one who let me come to her house and sleep when I wasn't on the drug. You know, when I was coming off the drugs, 
And then she introduced me to my godmother. They served in church together. They were praying warriors. You hear them in the morning, afternoon. I'm on the couch sleep. And you know, if I sit back and think about it, I don't even remember if I ever got disturbed. Mm-hmm. I think it was something that I wanted and I needed, but I just I didn't know how to go after it. I knew to go to church with them whenever I was in the area and I wanted to, but the, the drugs had me so far gone. Only time they would see me is when I needed to eat and sleep and take a bath. Wow. Now this was, you're still in Jersey. This is all in Jersey still, right? Yeah, this is in Jersey. And then around 19, my mom packed up and she came in the state one weekend. She said, I got me a house in North Carolina. I said, I'm going with you. (laughs) (laughs) I was in there asleep off off of a high. And I heard I th- she was going to leave me. You wasn't leaving me, lady. I jumped up and ran and jumped in that truck with her. We moved to Lexington, North Carolina. I was 19 years old. I had to leave my son behind. I, I had recently just lost custody of him. I lost him at, he was two. So it was going, I was going right on to, it was been about a year and a half since I lost him, lost custody of him to his paternal grandparents. Now, the dad didn't get custody. The paternal grandmother got custody. The judge wouldn't even give the dad the custody. It's crazy within itself. But, you know, money, politics back then, they were they well-known people. So, But it was okay because it was a time for me to get myself together. Amen. That's what I took it as when I left Jersey. I took it as, well, I'm going to North Carolina. I'm going to get myself together, and I'm getting my child back, even though they let me spend as much time as I wanted with him when I was in Jersey. Wow. So I got to North Carolina working. I was doing good. My mom introduced me to her friend. We go over there to barbecues. And one day this brother of hers popped up and we were sitting there talking. I wasn't drinking. I wasn't doing anything. I was just maybe about we was there maybe about three or four months detox, feeling good and found out he did drugs. Now, you know, they say change your people, places and things. But, you know, drugs is everywhere. Drugs is everywhere. You can change your people, places, and things. It has to be a mindset change to know that you don't want to do this anymore. This is not you. If you're off of it this long, then you can do it. But that's not true. Because guess what I did? Went and hit it again. In North Carolina. Yes, ma'am. I found it in North Carolina. I stayed in North Carolina for three and a half years, but I didn't do it for three and a half years. I had stopped maybe a year after that. Not even a whole year. I had stopped. Got myself together because I had got my baby back by then. So a year into North Carolina, the end of 89, the beginning of 90, right around my birthday, I went to Jersey and picked up my son. I had got custody of my child back. Um, He was five years old. No, he was going on four years old. Um, I had got custody of him back. Um, I, I was able to bring him to North Carolina with no CPS case. And so I got him and we stayed there. And then my mom, here she go with another thing. Hey, I done married a man on the road in Vegas. I'm moving to Texas. Um, I said, oh, I ain't coming to no Texas, lady. I ain't never wanted to live in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm the type of person. My mother was not living in a state without me. Me and my son got on a train and moved to Texas in January of 1992. I moved into Trinity Garden. I thought I was doing this thing. Me and my son found a church to go to. And here go that crack demon again. And I moved from Jersey as a 17-year-old crackhead 
to North Carolina as a 19-year-old crackhead to Houston, Texas as a 21-year-old crackhead. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yeah, I ran up and down the streets of Jensen and I say, I ain't sleeping with no man for no money. Ain't nowhere in the world Bonda gonna lay on her back for no drugs from no man. So I went to Boosting. I went to doing hair. I was going with the drug dealer. Now, you know, when you're going with the drug dealer and you're doing drugs, you're prostituting for them drugs. Wow. You laying on your back for them drugs because how else you gonna get it if you don't lay on your back? How else you gonna get it if you don't got the money to get it? Wow. And so, um, this was in 92 when I moved here. I was only here a month and I got pulled over. I was driving a car and I pulled over and this, I didn't know what was going on. I only been in Texas a month. That police had a gun to my head. And they was like, he got a gun to your head. And I'm like, what? So I put my hand on the steering wheel and they, they let me out. I got out the car. They put the handcuffs on me. They said the car was stolen. Dallas. Well, I only been here a month. If the car been missing since December, I know I don't. I didn't take the car, but I went to I went to jail for a drug possession, less than two point eight grams. Um, it, it was a felony back in nineteen ninety two. Now it's a misdemeanor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you get a ticket for it now. I went to the county, and I stayed there for maybe two weeks, three weeks, <laughs> and they let me out on my own recontinence. Now I ain't never heard of that before, but all I knew, them people came and say eighty. Rhonda, well, Rhonda Holland, because I gave my alias when I moved to Texas. My alias was Rhonda Holland. So, yeah, so I got locked up under Rhonda Holland. They let me out. And when they let me out, you think I, would want, I wouldn't want to go back over in that area, but I went right back to the drugs as soon as I got out of jail. So I didn't show up for court. That's what it was. I didn't show up for court. Wow. They have been looking for me they, all in 92. I was in the streets, half of 93. I had got locked up a couple of times for little misdemeanors, city to city, shoplifting, you know, nothing that had run a felony, put them to check. But then somebody told me, they say, Vonda, you know, if you go into a rehab with your warrant, they can, the police can't touch you. I said, oh, yeah. Wow. So me, I go sign myself up in the rehab for what? Because <laughs> I was sneaking out the window going to get high. Uh, the rehab. How long you stayed there, Vonda? Uh, in the rehab, yeah. 90 days, and I got an apartment right down the street from the rehab. And so by this time, I was done with drugs. I was literally done with drugs. This is the middle of 93. I was done. I was tired of getting high. I was tired of staying up all night. I was done. And so I made the decision to go to school. So I stopped doing the drugs. I cleaned up myself. I had my son. Um, he was back and forth to my mother's while I was out there on them streets. She was having them and here and there. I did. I started going to school to get my GED because I didn't never get my high school diploma because of the drugs and the life I was living. And I, you know, I really don't regret it. I, you know, I, I probably could say I regret not getting my high school diploma. Only part I didn't get to do was all of, I regret I didn't get to do all the dances and the homecoming, you know, hang out and all the pictures. But as I look back, I really don't regret my life. Amen. I've been and I know you're going to get into your testimony about, um, you know, at, while you were serving time, the Lord's hand was upon you the whole time. Yes. And that was and, you know, they say somebody's prayer for you. 
my God, mama, and my aunt, I know them was my prayer warriors. Because then nobody else cared about me as I thought. Them the only two I felt that cared about me. Not my sisters, not my dad, nobody. And so I went to school. I was working on my GED. I was working. I was working two jobs. But all the while, you think you free, them Texas Rangers was watching me for a whole three weeks. Wow. <laughs> this one day, I decided I'm going to lay up with this man of mine. We're going to lay up in this bed today and we're going to smoke us some weed and we're going to go get lunch. We might even go ride to Galveston. That was my plan. But God. Baby, that, that knock at that door. I said, who is this at my door? Texas Rangers. All I could do was just open the door. I already knew I was done. Now, I could have got away. But what would be the sense to still be running? And so I did. I got locked up. I went to TDC. Um, they gave me three years TDC. On my way, I was depressed. I was out of there. And I met this little, little Hispanic lady. Baby, no cry. You'll be okay. And her words was to me was Psalms 91. Psalms 91. You read every day. And I read Psalms 91. And I still, till this day, I go to scripture. Amen. Psalms 91. And so I had, um, they gave me the three years. I was supposed to do three months, but they gave me a serve all. And a serve all is where you got to do over half of your time. So when I left out, when I left out, while I was there, I got my GED. I took parenting classes. I took drug and alcohol classes. Um, I kept myself busy while I was in there. The better myself for when I get out. So eventually I did get out in 96. But the time there it was crazy being locked up with a bunch of women and seeing all the different people that was raised up in church and how the devil had got a hold to so many people. And I sit there and I sit back and I think about it now, how the Holy Ghost put me there for a reason for Amen. me to wake up. Amen. And so um, I did, I did um, the 18 months in TDC. They got my GD. I was doing good. I came when I finally was to come home. In 96, I met my husband and we started going to church together and I started praise dancing. I started singing. I started going to all the women's meetings. I'm talking about I was beating it. I was so on fire for the Lord that couldn't nothing stop me. Oh, I could not stop me. How about not even a year later, one of my XL mates called me and she came over. What you think she came over with? A crack with some crack. I looked at her and I was like, and yeah, I hit it. But then when I hit it, I knew I did. It wasn't me no more. And I put her out. Amen. And so up until then now, I know that I know that I know that the Holy Ghost has delivered me Thank you, from Lord. that crack deal. Amen. And then Fonda also share what was the turning point in your life after that? Well, finding people who really was God fearing in a church, somebody that was really God fearing helped me turn myself around because I was going to churches and I just wasn't feeling anything. And, you know, my sister was murdered in 2006 on them same streets. I used to get high on and I look and I say, God, that could have been me. And that, that gave me a, a even greater appreciation for the Lord because Man. he spared me out there on them streets. Amen. And then I started, and so I started getting more into church. 
okay this time look i'm i'm really praise dancing i'm really worshiping god um and then four years ago wow four years ago actually four years ago today right okay. ooh, my mom yeah. closed her eyes and gained her wings your mom passes four years ago today right and, and then um, i turned to old henny crown and cavassier there was my three best friends for a whole three years wow i was drinking the cope with the pain and the hurt of her being gone you know she was with me 50 years amen and now she's not here and so i started drinking i'm talking about breakfast lunch and dinner drinking hennessy cavassier crown then i joined redeemed life temple of worship amen. pastor kenneth and charlene harris and amen. ever since then it's been such a blessing it's been a year since I drank, uh, over a year since I drank any alcohol. Amen. We committed myself back to God. I asked him to forgive me. Hallelujah. And I just, I just strive to be better than I was than each day because I can sit back and think about all the people that I hurt in my addiction. My God. But it's not, it's not going to surpass all the people that I'm going to bless in my walk. Praise the Lord. That is awesome. Wow. Well, you have been a blessing and I just thank God for you. Now, what I would like for you to do, please, we're going to close out in prayer and I'd like you to pray for anyone who is struggling with a drug or alcohol addiction. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you asking you for forgiveness of our sins, Lord God, Jesus, that our prayer may be heard. Father God, I thank you for going out into this world, Lord Jesus, and touching all the addicts, Lord God, Jesus, regardless of alcohol, pills, drugs, sex addiction, any addiction, Lord God, Jesus, that's not in your will, Father God, I ask you to touch their bodies, touch their minds, touch their heart, Lord God, Jesus. Give them a community to be held onto, Lord God, Jesus. Give them at least one person, Lord God, Jesus, that they can confide in, Lord God, Jesus. And that'll make such a difference in a person's life, Father God. I ask you to touch them, Lord God, Jesus. And I thank you, Lord God, Jesus, for the opportunity, Lord God, Jesus, that Sister Yolanda Tyler has given me, Lord God, Jesus, to be able to grow in my life and see through my addiction, Lord God, Jesus, to be able to help another person. I will always, Lord God, Jesus, be grateful to you for what you do for us, Lord God, Jesus. And I will always give you the praise and thank you for deliverance in my life, in the lives that's coming up, coming after me, Lord God, Jesus, that be able to tell a testimony of what you've done for them. In Christ Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Fonda, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your testimony. You are truly a blessing. And we just know the Lord will send the right listeners to hear your show and to be delivered. And God bless you. God bless you too. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Truth Podcast with Bible teacher Yolanda Tyler. Please subscribe to our podcast so you will know when the next episode is published. To hear more biblical teachings and give to support the ministry, please visit our website at www.thekingdomtruth.org. That is www.thekingdomtruth.org. God bless you until we meet again.